Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Go. Bloop. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> I don't think we've done that on pod. I think we've only ever done that on last call. I think we've done it every time on pod. No, 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 no. The, the Remember I edit these things. The boo-boop boop, hasn't boop. made it in? Is this, it's not. Is, will this be the one where the boo-boop makes it in? Yeah, definitely. That's the fun that you can see on last call. I was going, <laughs> boo-boop, a la Hannah Hart. Oh, my God. Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour. I'm Tommy. And I'm Jimmy. That felt very. <laughs> and this is the only musical theatre podcast with maraschino cherries. And what's new, Buenos Aires. That is the best one we've ever done, and I won't have anyone say any different. <laughs> Here, we take apart your favorite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theatre conversation. Jimmy, what are you drinking today? Well, sir. I am drinking some great, uh, I don't know, maybe like an ambrosia milkshake. That would make sense. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Do you know that reference? Because there's no liquids in this this show. I don't think there are no liquids in the show. I don't know that reference. And an ambrosia mil- ambrosia milkshake sounds gross. So there's two things about that. One, ambrosia is the food of the gods. Yes, obviously, it's what was in the cornucopia, gods. Um, two. Uh, Ambrosia is the brand, like it's a big brand of like our custards okay. and like rice puddings. Okay. So actually, an Ambrosia milkshake would be bloody good. Yes. So <laughs> that's all I have to say on that. Why? Well, tell me in the form of a quiz question. <laughs> Aquatement. Thank you very much, sir. Um, well, this is a good one. <laughs> is um, it? <laughs> no. And actually since then, I've, I've found like three other questions that would have been much better. <laughs> But do you know what? It's a bit, it was a bit of a game this time, guys. A bit of fun. Did you have right? fun? <laughs> so much fun, actually. Okay, this musical has at least three things in common with Singing in the Rain. I wonder, I can't even remember what the three <laughs> things were that we thought about. Okay, they were Gene okay, Kelly. Gene Kelly. Um, it was a movie to musical adaptation. <laughs> Oh, that's a stupid one. That's um, not. That's very perfectly valid. That's fair, but you're, it, it 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 was a movie musical before it ever was a stage musical. Yes. yes. Uh huh. And that? the third one, can you remember? Mm, 
at oh. one brief point, they sing and dance in the rain. <laughs> so there you go. We must have been real tired <laughs> at the end of Oliver. <laughs> yeah. What are we there talking about? There's actually so many better quiz questions that we could have done. We'd throw so one in now. What was ones. the better question? Um, there was one that was like, because the original source material for Xanadu was actually like this random oh, film. Yes. Uh-huh. There was also an adaptation of a play. So like this musical is an adaptation of a film, which is an adaptation of a play. Which is a, you know what I mean? Like that kind of that thing. That would have been a better question. Kind of yeah. Anyway, it's Xanadu. Here we go. It's Xanadu. <laughs> get that though to be honest though you just need to think okay gene kelly what else has he done yeah we have smart listeners who understand our bullshit (laughs) yeah i mean it's there's no way people will get that because there's probably many other things that have way more things but it doesn't matter it's a bit of fun guys okay anyway xanadu (laughs) uh, has music and lyrics um by a lot of people but primarily um jeff lynn of the electric light orchestra fame Mm -hmm. um and john farrer of of greece fame indeed and his book by uh jimmy's favorite douglas carter bean bean beanie bean big bean man bean what a man what a man <laughs> uh this musical opened in 2007 on broadway uh, and it had i think more success than i would have given i would have expected it to have i think more success than i think the producers probably expected it to have <laughs> um which is great yeah uh yeah it did pretty well it got um nominated for a number of things critically quite well received um yeah yeah, and a good, a, a really solid run. Yeah, a successful national tour afterwards. A cancelled. Did you read about the 2019 cancelled tour? Very disappointing. Yeah, I know. Actually, that would have been bloody good. Would have been great. And did you see who was going to play the the evil sisters? Yes, and it's like a thing that should have happened on Broadway. Well, obviously it's not Broadway; it's a tour, right. but should have happened a long, long time ago. So it was um, uh, Ginger Minge and Jinx Monsoon. Yeah, two of our best at musical theater drag exports it would have been fantastic mm, um, great but yeah based on uh the movie xanadu the poorly received movie with olivia newton john and gene kelly gene kelly's last movie i know oh. what a way to, what a way to you know i think it i think it is delightful because no, we're, don't, i mean we'll talk well we're, we're gonna talk aren't we <laughs> i feel like we just talk now don't we we just have to Okay. Listen. This movie's nuts. It's it's absolutely nuts. But who the hell hates this? I mean, for its... Heterosexuals? Like, who is it? I did watch... Because I like... Do you ever watch, like, old trailers for old movies? I enjoy it to see how, like, the art of making a trailer has changed. Um, 
<laughs> I do, yes. I, and actually, this was still in the time of, like, glorious trailers. Yes. If, like... Olivia Newton-John! <laughs> And it, I think they call it like the all the all musical show, and it's like, is it though? Um, it's really not. It's really not. Um, this show, I mean, you can tell a lot of it got left on the cutting room floor, and that there was some. I don't know if anyone was ever driving this movie. Well, I, no. So apparently, literally, no one was driving this movie. I think there was like eight iterations of the script before it even got optioned. Yeah, and like. I think even then, they still hadn't signed off mm-hmm. on a script by the time that they had started shooting. So Oof. that tells you everything you need to know. Um, and I, I, I kind of thought, I kind of love that. <laughs> That's what an adventure they would go on. Shooting from the hip. It certainly doesn't seem like anyone, you know, at least from, from the, the bits and pieces I had said, you would imagine that a show like that would have a very tumultuous uh, uh, onset feeling. Um, but the sense I get is that people had fun making this thing. I think so. Like, I think it, 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 it's weird because, like, a, a lot of people don't talk about it well because in light of the reviews, but any, like, clips and things that you see of people in the midst... yeah. They're really upbeat about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they know that, like, it, they don't know where it's going and they know that it's wild, right? But you can tell that they're having a lovely time. It's um, it's, it's interesting to watch. It certainly, I will admit, there were two moments in watching the movie where I did fall asleep and have to rewind. <laughs> really? Yeah, actually. Um, because you were particularly tired or because you got bored? I think because I just got bored and disengaged. <gasps> um, what bits? I, it was, well, the, the first time I fell asleep and then woke up in the middle of the animated sequence. I was like, oh, Great. shit, I missed something. Um, and then the second time. You actually did it. Uh, right? I, re- I rewound and was like, how did, oh, okay. Like, maybe I just closed my eyes for a little too long. Um, right. And then I did find myself disengaging uh, during the very long, oh, what's the number? The Where Gene Kelly and What's-His-Face are both in the, oh, having really? their imagined. I thought it was cool. But it just kept happening. <laughs> oh, no, I was totally into it. It, it was very, um, Broadway, Midnight, yes. everybody knows. That's exactly what it was. was. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. That's interesting. Interesting bits. I wouldn't have thought that they would. I would have probably fallen asleep uh, at, like, the, the bit when they uh, dance around the, uh, like, soundstage. Whatever that mm, duet was, yeah, that one was weird. Just it, not even because it was dull, just because it was it was a nice lilty song. Yeah, like when the, when the palm trees life. inflate and stuff. Yeah, exactly. That and was... when they da- sing and dance in the rain. <laughs> I think that's that's you know the bad parts about this movie are like none of it makes any sense. Like no, it doesn't. You know, and then they all, all go shopping for clothes. I think. Because it's important to look glitzy. Is that why we had a whole dance number with clothes? Yes, they didn't yes. wear any of the clothes that they got. Yes, they did. Did they? Gene Kelly comes up to, um, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Sonny. The one. Michael Beck. Yeah. Yes, Sonny. Um, comes up to Sonny when he's sat on the beach and is all depressed because Kira's left. Um, and he's like, look at me. I'm snazzy. He's got a necktie on. Oh, okay. So they... D- Come on, this is a a deep story here that has lots of clear, <laughs> clear thought. So I won't hear it. 
Well, and even I was reading that, like, perhaps one of the uh, key plot points got entirely excised from the script that yes. the mural with the muses on it was painted by Sonny. Right. Was, like, so, an initial plot point that is not in it, the movie. It doesn't feature whatsoever. I think at one very brief point, he says, um, I painted I painted a mural. Do you know, just at one point in yeah. his life, I painted it, and that's about it. Um, but I thought that was, come on, that's implied. Um, it, what it, but so much of this movie is implied, then. <laughs> implied, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the other thing. And... Maybe I've just been watching too much David Lynch, <laughs> and I'm just, you know, I'm so used to things not having any narrative sense. I'm just right. like, of course. But, like, of course. can you imagine seeing this for the first time? Like, even going in, I had a sense of some of the wackiness of it, but, like... They hold on to for the longest time that she's a muse and a god, and then he roller skates into the wall and ends up in Tron. And he ends up in bloody Tron, yeah. And we never do they even say that it is Zeus and no, so it's, and it's not even credited. It's credited as like old man and old women or something like that. It's such like. I think people watched 2001 A Space Odyssey and were like, okay, so it doesn't need to make sense. And then ran with I that. I think maybe that's it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, right, to jump onto your point there where you said people would have an idea of just how zany this was. Yeah. So, hands up, I had never encountered anything to do with Xanadu other than the song Xanadu mm-hmm. um, at all prior to researching for this show. Yeah. Um, so I had no idea... I thought it uh-huh. was like I thought it was set on Mount Olympus. Like I thought it was oh, wow. about like gods. Yeah. And they just like got the name wrong and called it Zanadu. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um and I also did I thought it was quite a popular film. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea about the hate, which shows that I've been mixing in good circles. That, you know, people appreciate the film. Um But as I was watching it, I was like, oh my god. I, I sent you a message. I was like, yeah. why the hell have I not why seen have you this never... before? It does seem right up your alley. It's <laughs> so my alley. It's everything that my alley is. Like, I I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tell what do you I, what do I you adored it. what can you put into words? What do you enjoy about this movie? I will never watch this movie again. Really? Yeah. How dull your life will be, sir. <laughs> um what I, it was just so fun. It was lovely. Like it was absolutely lovely, and the dance numbers were great. The they dance numbers kick-ass. are fantastic. Yes. Um, I love the music. Sure. Like, and you know, Michael Beck can't act for toffee, but he's really pretty. <laughs> I'll take it. Do you know what I mean? If I can't have one, I'll have the other. Thank you. Um, do, do you know what I mean? Like, Jen, I was, I was kind of watching. I was like, I, I totally appreciate that this is trash. But it's so good. Like, yeah. it's just like good, good trash. Yeah, that's fair. I hmm. I also enjoyed it. Like, you know, don't get me like, wrong. Like, can you not see yourself? Like, you've had a rough week. Uh-huh. You've had a really rough week. Yeah. Your boyfriend's just brought in a lovely pack of edibles. <laughs> and you're like, do you know what we should do right now? We should put on Zanadu. Yeah, you know, that actually sounds very nice. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, describe your perfect Saturday afternoon. <laughs> But I think I think like that is exactly what it. Sh- and I'm kind of like God. I wish I knew about this film when I was in the depths of my anxiety last year. Like, sure. you know, what I mean, this would be such a great remedy of like pure unadulterated escapism. There's no peril at any point. No, 
whatsoever in the film. No. I mean, it is just out and out joy. Yeah. Right? What I will say, though, not a musical. Not a, certainly <laughs> not a musical. It was advertised as being one. And, I mean... I mean, it has a soundtrack and Olivia Newton-John sings a couple of songs. Yeah. I guess Gene Kelly sings diegetically once. Yes. Does anyone else? Because Olivia Newton-John doesn't really like sing on screen that much. No, she she does. She sings twice on screen. I think she sings okay. in Xanadu, and then there's that yeah. other one. And then I guess there's a duet. Maybe it is a musical. It doesn't feel like a musical. It doesn't feel okay? like a musical. But I don't know. None of these songs are meant to be in this. Sc- do you know what I mean? The score, like nothing yeah. is written. In, as part of this book right um testament to the fact that um so i read a rolling stone article um mm. with jeff lynn from yellow okay um and he briefly talks about it uh and he was like i mean i've never seen it no people said it was awful so i just thought what's the point <laughs> um, but the, the songs that i wrote are really good for it and i was like okay cool so you had a lot of involvement a lot of, a lot of engagement with the, the film process and i think that that kind of shows you you know what the it, what the investment was in this thing exactly if he has no idea what is going on in the film yeah then these songs are not meant to be there do you know what I mean? but are <laughs> like, they like Man, it's such a strange melding of the pop music world and the film world and the musical theater mm. world. Like, would these songs have charted as high were they not associated with a film, even though the film is shit? Like, if, yeah. the, if the album just came out on its own... It might, it might have, though, because of Olivia Newton-John and because of Yellow. Yeah. You know, I think... Uh, yeah, I think that is probably why... Yeah. They did so well. I actually think the movie probably hindered. Yeah, that's fair. That's <laughs> Which fair. is a big old shame. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. Because, so, if you don't know, I mean, first of all, if you haven't seen the film, please, actually, I would say go and watch it. It's only an hour and a half. Yeah. And it, it's an experience, and it's, it's if you're listening to this podcast, it's worth knowing for the context of the podcast. But also, this, so the actual soundtrack of the film was hugely successful. Yeah. Far outdid the success of the film. Um, and I'm and sure kind of, owes to the success of the stage musical that we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it definitely has a lot of credo. Yeah. Um, and a lot of good names attached to it. Because, you know, if you think like John Farrow, who'd just done Grease yep. um, and wrote like a lot of Olivia Newton-John's pop songs that right. her, as her as a singer-songwriter... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cliff Richard also got involved, which I find crazy. Yeah. Do you know who he is? His name seems familiar. Because he's very he's very British, but I think he's probably had some enjoyed some success across the pond. So he's a weird man, Tommy. Huh. What what has he written that I would recognize? You might know Living Doll. I feel okay. like that was one of his bigger mm-hmm. ones. Got myself a crying, talking, sleeping, walking, living doll. I do not recognize that. Got to do that. my best to please stay. Um, what else might he have done that you would know? Did he do Summer Holiday? Yeah, I think he might have done Summer Holiday. Yes, yeah, according to you the know Wikipedia, that according to the Wikipedia article I'm reading about him right now. Oh, okay. You know that song? We're all going on a summer holiday. No, I think these are all things you've invented. Fair enough. I did not invent Cliff Richard. <laughs> I take no responsibility for that man. Um. Oh, well, that's, that's a surprise, actually. You don't have any Cliff Richard. Anyway, 
to to the British people. Wow, Cliff Richard wrote this. <laughs> but yeah, huge names attached to it. A, a surprisingly yeah. large budget. It does seem like it ballooned in production um, to become even bigger than initially intended. Yeah, I think that's another another kind of thing. Is that it probably started out as this kind of like indie like campy film anyway yeah exactly like they were just like we want to make this silly film and then suddenly it's like well here's gene kelly so um i do want to before we move away from the music of the film though um what yellow yeah i know know yellow yes um what's the one mr blue sky mr blue skies that's the one yeah Yeah. um real real popular pre-assembly song uh although you have to end it before the second bit that everyone forgets about where it gets all weird um well the mr blue sky there's a yeah it like there's like a weird dubstep drop in the middle of mr blue sky that i love um but that everyone forget exists forgets exists fair so well that's good to know that you know yellow though yeah because they're great they are great they wrote great music for this (laughs) movie even though it doesn't really (laughs) exactly like the thing is quite surprising Uh because i was like oh surely yellow have done a musical yeah, and they haven't. Is they this haven't. As close as they've gotten. And this is the closest it gets. And I was like, wow. That's fascinating. That is a surprise because their music is so theatrical. Yeah. It, I am amazed at how unapplicable all the songs are to this movie. Like, even. Oh, completely. In context, they still don't. Like, it just. just and here's a song. Like. Yeah. Insert love song. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Insert sad song. Yeah. Like that's it's there's nothing. Like there's not even like mention of of gods. No, there's no um, mention of the like Greek mythology understory. Not that there's much of an understory to talk about, but there's right. also no mention of what's his face is like art career. Um yeah, just like nothing. the the big big themes of the thing don't make it into the music. Exactly. And that's something, so there's some really like hardcore Jeff Lynne fans out there. And I wonder if any of them listen to our podcast, because I would like to know, like, because I've not, I've not been able to find anyone talking about this. Like, where, like, where did this come from? Do you know what I mean? Like, was it, we want to write this show, we love ELO's music, Jeff Lynne, will you write some songs? Right. Like, is that, that's how I can see it working. Yeah. Um, Rather than like, we want this musical. This is what we want. You know what I mean? Like, here's our plan. Right. And Jeff from Jeff Lynn from ELO, we want you to be a part of it. And he somehow just failed. Like, I don't think that's what happened. No. Like, I think he was just charged with writing five songs. Yeah. It's and, and did it? I don't know. And also when they were like, we really want to do a roller skating film. But like, it takes a long time for important plot points to need us to be on roller skates. Yes, they just kind of roller skate as a as a matter of course. Like it's not like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Because I mean, like obviously the setting is Venice Beach, right? Which is like roller skating. So we we can be roller skating, but Um, but that's a (laughs) that's about (laughs) it. Like when they're roller skating around the soundstage, they don't need to be. They could be dancing. They really don't, you know. And and like at the very least in the and we'll get to the the stage adaptation but at least mm. it is more implied early on that they want to open they call it a theater in that one not a club but like mm. all implications are that uh gene kelly and sonny want to open a music club akin to right. gene kelly's big band days right exactly and like i mean there's a whole number about that a whole yeah. incredible number my ad. let's pause for a second and we'll talk about that
Is it one of my favorite mashups that's ever been written? <laughs> Tommy! It's... It's very conceptual. It's very cool. That moment where the two bandstands, like, accordion merge into each other is a visual masterpiece. Along with the music. Yeah. I was like, that is some stage and screen goodness right there. It's very cool. And it has, I guess, of all the big songs, has more to do with the story than many other songs. In a, like... In a metaphorical way. In a way. metaphorical, yes, thematic way. We are seeing uh, Sonny and What's-His-Face's worlds combining. Uh-huh. And they're like combined muse existing together. Yes, exactly. And it's I, I, I quite like that as like a theme of the whole piece. Of yeah. this like remembering the past but looking forward to the future. And I was like, that's a, that's a nice idea, isn't it's a, it? It's a neat theme. I wish they did more with it. <laughs> I wish that was a part of the story, yes, <laughs> rather than just at one point. Um, but no, like, that is really, that's a very well-written song because I wasn't expect like, I actually wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Because um, normally you can sometimes, we've talked about this before, um, when there's, like, point-counterpoint numbers. Right. Like, in The Music Man. Yeah. Like, you're leaving too big a gap there. Right. We know something's, we gonna, know something's fit gotta fit in. We know something's gotta fit in there later. Yeah. Right. Um, but then, here, I, I was, I was no. not expecting a counterpoint moment whatsoever. No. These were two extremely different sounds suddenly merging together in, like, a really cool In a really cool way. way. And in, in a way that I can't... You know, what? when else has rock and roll and big band... I don't even know whether to cl- classify the modern thing as it's rock and roll, disco, funk. Well, yeah, I mean that guy with the synthesizer. Yeah, he was living. Yes, do you know what I mean? He was really having a great time tying up that woman <laughs> to his speaker. Remember that? It was great. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's not rock and roll. You know, it's not right, it's 60s not... rock and roll. Right. It, it's the kind of pre-punk. Yeah, whatever that, yeah. that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess in the ELO kind of. In that kind of Queen ELO, that that kind of way. Um, But yeah, that was a like that was part and parcel of the way I was like, this is incredible. It's it's probably the best part of the movie. I think it's better than um, the than Xanadu the closing number, which more people know. Um, I would agree. Yeah, I think like the the closing number. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good fun. The song's lovely, but the we don't need the cowboy breakdown right when it it does also feel (laughs) it's not the the... (laughs) just realize what i said (laughs) out of context what the hell i know but i knew exactly what you meant yeah exactly um like it it doesn't quite you know it's supposed to be this huge celebratory moment which it is but Mm -hmm. it's also very much choreographed and for the camera um Mm -hmm. and we haven't had this background of youngsters that have been looking for a hip new spot to go to the entire right. movie that we get the satisfaction of like, oh, and now they love each other all together at once. Right, exactly. And also combined with this poorly telegraphed plot of maybe a different Olivia Newton-John who's now not the muse, but maybe... Well, the magic waitress Olivia John. Yeah, right. That was a strange... Yeah, and like we, we, we get it happily ever after, but like... But also like... They kind of gave her the free pass when, like, the woman was like, maybe for a moment. Right. Maybe forever. They should have just... They could have just done it forever. Just done that. Why not? Yeah. No. Then cancel it out with Random Waitress. But, hey, why not? Zandu, eh? Um, Yeah, I think... I I agree. I think that dancing number is better. But, actually, I... The dressing room shop montage number... Bonkers. 
it was keeps... out of this world. Like it... I just I kept clutching my face it... because I just couldn't believe what I was watching. It was, it was so delightful. it was so fast. My brain couldn't process it. Yes, yes, very much that. Like and... like people just kept appearing. Yeah. And it, 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 there was, there was cool stuff happening, but my brain wasn't like well set up to like go as fast as the movie was going. Right. It was like, it was like, do you, have you exactly ever, that. have you ever had a Viewmaster, you know, the red things yes, where you click through? Ching, ching, it was like ching. the Viewmaster, but someone else was clicking the thing too quickly for you. Yes. And you weren't being able to focus in time. Yes, absolutely that. Because sometimes Gene Kelly was there and dancing and he was dancing in a 1940s, yeah. you know, ballroom style. And suddenly... Then there's a woman with punk hair, and I'm like, ah, yeah. But also like, ah, and also we like, like we entered the scene with like these mannequins that aren't mannequins that then came uh, to yes, life that invited so them in, and we're fine with that. We'll move, you know what I mean? Like we'll keep going. Right. And the, um, the big fake pink car. And why was it a fake pink car? Oh, I can't remember the big fake pink car. They like push out this fake like Rolls Royce pink car, but it looks like it was made for like a very good high school production of this show. Right. And, oh yes and then gene I kelly remember. gets out of it i remember that but it's just yeah. in the store why not what was that store <laughs> what, what was that store and he got that we snide scarf so good on him yeah um yeah i it, like it, it, what what a thing <laughs> Right, but I think that's a, like I can I can see because I imagine people are going to be like, "What the hell are they talking about?" All of their reputation is gone. Like, it in the canon of musical theater, I'm not putting Xanadu up there. No, okay, in no way, shape, or form. Um, as in the film, I'm not putting the film up there. Uh, I, but as a as an experience, as a film, on yeah, its own, yeah, worth a watch. It's fun. So delightful. It's fun in the same way that watching Fantasia is fun. Go on. Like, Fantasia is like pretty, pretty lights and music to go along with it. And the, right, okay, but you don't care about the music, the, the, and you don't care too much about the music. And the story is, if there is one, is generally relatively inconsequential. Mm. But it's, it's there's a hippo and a crocodile, and do we care? It's real fun to look at. Yes, I'll give you that. And also, there's some Greek. Greek and also there's some themes. Greek underscoring themes. I mean, I do wonder if there is something Huge. deeper about, I don't know, this is probably a whole other thesis on its own, but like... About Xanadu? You, well, our, our uh, whatever our like childlike entertainment cortex is, you know, the same... Okay. The same reason like kids like to, you know, hit at the mobile above their crib or really enjoy watching something like the Teletubbies. Um, uh-huh. Like... Pretty lights, funny noises, you know, interesting to look at. And Xanadu tickles the same part of your brain, it feels like. A hundred, it is. It's that kind of, like, assault to the senses that's really enjoyable. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I fully would agree with that. And you're not, like, processing meaning, per se. No, and I think that's, I think that's where a lot of people fall down, is that they're trying to. Right. It, like, I, again... I, well, obviously watching a lot of David Lynch, like people just need to take like for like and just think this is what it is. I don't need I don't need to try and find this like why. Right. You don't need to ask why to everything. Just, well, just, why just sit the back? thing the thing with Xanadu though is like all, all signs point to that this was supposed to be a movie with a plot and 
music yeah. and it just wasn't <laughs> like they they didn't intend this fantastical art That's house true. you know uh uh Fantasia. yeah like that was not uh, written at the top of the chalkboard on day one in the writer's room okay i'll give you that <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I really, as a big David Lynch fan, I should stop comparing that to <laughs> David Lynch films. Um, that's quite important. Uh, before before we move on, though, mm-hmm. uh, I I do want to talk a little bit about Gene Kelly. Yeah, he's great. He is our kind of musical theater grounding here. Very great. He's so good. Like surprisingly great. Yeah, like there, uh, I genuinely laughed at. Um, uh, oh, they don't make rocks like they used to. Right. And like there's a a couple points where he does that like Gene Kelly cross-eyed goofy face. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Yeah, when he's playing with his face Yeah. Randomly. Such a like wholesome moment in Gene Kelly who still sits in my brain in this kind of asshole-esque um uh Yeah, absolutely. View of him. Absolutely. Uh, but I think like weirdly watching this and seeing him I think sincerely having a good time. Yes. Right? I like He's a good actor. He's not that good an actor. No, he's a, he's a better you know dancer I mean? than he is an actor. Um, right. And I think you would be able to see if he was phoning it in. Right. He, he wasn't, I he wasn't he was really. having a nice old time. Well, and we've, we've entered, certainly the time of MGM movie musicals spans mm-hmm. several decades. But I do think Xanadu is squarely out of that kind of golden movie, Absolutely. golden age MGM stuff. Where there's a lot of, you know put Gene Kelly in a movie and he's got like 16 default facial expressions he can use. That'll probably get him yeah. through it and say that yeah. for everyone from that era. I don't mean it as a slight, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. but this is, this movie is from a different cinematic time period. Um, totally. And it does, he comes across as super earnest. You're right. It's, it's quite refreshing. Yeah. Um, there's a few like, uh, behind the scenes facts that I know about, um, mm-hmm. um, from this film. Number one, which I absolutely love, uh, so the the how they got him on, mm-hmm. obviously they wanted Gene Kelly, um, and I think it was Kenny Ortega that really really pushed for him. Yeah. Um, and uh, initially he like point blank refused to do any dancing. Hmm. Um. Then he went in for a meeting with Kenny Ortega, mm-hmm. uh, just the two of them, and he was like, "I'm not dancing, but if I was going to dance, what kind of dance would I be doing?" <laughs> um. And Kenny Ortega was like, well, I, I would imagine it would be, you know, pulling from your own mm-hmm. lexicon. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, what do you mean? What kind of thing? Um, and so Kenny Ortega kind of got up and did some of like the Gene Kelly classics. Uh-huh. Uh, and apparently Gene Kelly was naming, like just naming them. They'd be like, that's the, you know, that's the that. Uh-huh. That's the that. Uh-huh. Um, and then got up and they kind of started riffing together, uh-huh. like in, in dance. Um, and uh, I think it eventually like came up with almost like a kind of routine he worked up a bit of a sweat and Gene Kelly was like, all right, I'm going to do it. Huh. And that was how he kind of did. And then from that point on, yeah. um, Gene Kelly actually kind of took Kenny Ortega under his wing mm. um, and became a, a sort of mentor for him for like yeah. the next 20 years of his life. And like, this is still relatively early in Kenny Ortega's career. Absolutely. Um, and I think, wow, that's a, that's a gift. Like, yeah. Because say what you want about Gene Kelly, but the man can dance and the man can choreograph. Yeah, well, like, and he has an understanding of cinematic choreography. Exactly. He under- understands dance for film, which Kenny Ortega, that's his specialty these days, right? That is his specialty, and he's a, he is a bit of a master of it. Yeah. Um. So I thought that little yarn was delightful. Um. 
so he choreographed the uh the whenever you're away from me mm-hmm. number mm-hmm. with him and olivia newton john apparently so this was filmed um as like pickups this was filmed after production had finished yeah um and they got him back on and he initially kind of refused because like no my contract's up i'm right. not doing this um they eventually got him back on the grounds of uh, it would be in a closed sound stage mm-hmm. and the only people there would be him olivia newton john the camera operator and kenny ortega and that was it <laughs> that's so i'm i'm not a gene kelly historian i wonder if you know why is gene kelly so nervous about dancing later in his career I think it's because the classic thing of anyone being nervous about doing things, because he had a big break, do you know what I mean? There was a chunk of time when he wasn't dancing. Um, And obviously, as an older gentleman, you you can't be as spry as you were, you know what I mean? When when you're singing in the Rain Glory days. um, But what I will say to his credit... The man's still pretty damn spry. Oh, he's got it. It's 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 really sweet. I find it really wholesome. And the fact that his character's whole underscore his his you yeah. know sentimental story is like, ah, oh, yeah, I used to do art, but I don't anymore. Exactly, like the good old days, and yeah, uh, you know, like it's 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 nice for a time. And you can see, I think, like there's a lot of like there is a lot of genuine, yeah, like, say earnestness in his performance there um and i think him and olivia and john are a lovely little pair mm-hmm. because obviously she's no debbie reynolds um who was still relatively new mm-hmm. um, but she was a dancer uh olivia and john not a dancer yeah um and he, he said before in interviews that uh he choreographs pieces for the women that he's working with sure so in theory debbie reynolds got a harder time mm-hmm. because she was good and he knew that she could be mm-hmm. great whereas with olivia newton john right because you can tell yeah it's not <laughs> it is, it's not it's lovely it's fine but it's yeah. very sweet um and you can tell she's not gone through the same right you know extreme <laughs> torture right that the... debbie reynolds went through in singing in the rain yeah um but it's still a really nice number i think like so really nice piece and apparently they both got on really really well yeah huh um which i quite like i think that's lovely it's such a fascinating like passing of you know a tiny passing of a torch that seems to have existed inside of xanadu and right does kind of mark a you know we're we're in that time of what 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 are we 1980 1980 even i think so like we're just coming off hair the movie um you know Grease is 2 years ago the Wiz is a couple years ago i think they're the late 70s we're yep. we're we're seeing this transition of movie musicals from like this is where we're ending we're 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 leaving that kind of sound stage mgme you know yeah. uh, uh uh Comden and Green style uh uh freed unit stuff and yep. now moving into the like eighties, nineties of musical theater, which is wacky, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, it is has a very like hippie, homegrown feel to it, and and a very much a like high experimental feel because obviously yeah. there's lots of weird graphics and visual effects oh decisions God. that they make in this film. Just even all the funky transitions where like something will end and then it'll be like, I'm obsessed with the transitions. <laughs> It's, they're great or just like massive x yeah for no reason it just it, um, it feels like straight out of sesame street i mean i guess this is why i feel like it, it is that teletubby tickling of your brain yeah 
Yeah. It's like, you know, then Elmo shows up and it's like, ha ha, next scene. Like, exactly. That's the thing is I'm like, what I would love to know to be that fly on the wall to be like, was that a creative decision or were they just like, fuck it. <laughs> Let's just do a big joke. Do you know what I mean? Right. Is Because like, it, it feels like, it does feel like those kind of late 70s yeah. TV shows like Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Um, uh, not Laverne and Shirley, Cagney and Lacey. Mm-hmm. Very different. Um, like, I don't know why it just calls into those, yeah. like, Charlie's Angels. Do you know what I mean? Like, that very late 70s yeah, vibe. Yeah, and I'm sure of... it's just of the time. And it was, because I remember first clocking the transitions after, like, the seventh one happened. And then yeah. there was some scene that just ended with, like, fade to black, fade back up. And I was like, oh, what's going on? Like Exactly. They were just, they forgot to put in a transition there, I guess. Or, I or were they, they the wrong one. Or were they making a, a story choice, whatever possible story choice you could make at that moment? I hope so. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I. Uh, Don Bluth. I know. It? Not to mention like, the whole like rotoscoped <laughs> dancing segment, like all the weird special effects, the weird smeary yellow, uh, yeah, like the like lightning speed work, speed trails, and the the whole like weird uh, blue outline. I don't know if it was rotoscope or whatever. Well, I think it must have been rotoscoping, but also. They composited that piece of film nine times. That's advanced shit. There was some, there's some neat SFX stuff in here, and you can see when uh, for one number for your opening, like come on, when when Sonny ends up in like the nega space, and he's you can tell he's blue screen because he's got blue fringe, but they put him on a yeah, black yeah, background, yeah. and then there's like little bits of his fringe that aren't attached. Yeah. I love that. It's so it's a it's a nutso film on a like production styling and yeah. special effects styling but no one yeah. no one's gonna be like ah yes the revolutionary and important seminal special effects from xanadu no. right no no and i guess better movie scholars than us will know whether that was experimental or whether they were actually quite late to the party sure. but from the movies that i've watched they weren't doing that I and mean, i like that to me like actually to me xanadu captures the 80s vibe yes and so for that to happen in 1980 yeah well, and part of it is, it's certainly, that sort of stuff hasn't existed in any movie musical we've seen. Like, even, like, hair doesn't do that kind of stuff. Um, no, it does not. You know, and that's maybe two years earlier, the movie. And, like, the mm-hmm. fact that they did make the choice of, like, you know, this, yes, they're going to dance, but they're going to dance and be outlined with blue electricity. Yeah. It's such a, <laughs> such a choice, such a... It is. And you wonder if it was a choice or just like, ah, whatever, it'll look... I know, but then if it was, yeah, whatever, I'm like, cool. Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. Because, listen, everyone, it's bloody enjoyable. (laughs) It's it's worth one watch at least, just to say you've watched it. It is worth at least one watch. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would completely agree. Um, Okay, we've talked about the film enough. Let's talk about the actual show. Hop on. I haven't said it for a while. I think it'd be fun to say. Yeah, okay. I'll let you. I guess we, do- we should be roller skating, shouldn't we? We should roller skate. Oh, do they make motorized roller skates? That seems dangerous. I feel like that must be a thing. It must be. These days with all the other motorized... Although, how could you get... Oh, no, it would be motor... Yeah, okay. I was like, how could you get a combustible engine in a shoe? But <laughs> it doesn't need to be.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. So there was also a musical, <laughs> which is. I have I had forgotten before we started doing research. This was one of the early um, uh, library CD checkouts I did. Xanadu was really? in my iTunes, has been for decades. I just have never listened to it, save for maybe once or twice when I first got it. <sighs> oh. um, I think partially because it was yeah, because it was at that time. Yeah, and it was so. I, I imagined it's because just the soundtrack is so inscrutable. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, for sure. You would be like, "This isn't part of any." Musical. This isn't part of any musical. I don't How know did what these it's... pop songs got on here. I don't know what it's referencing. The cover looks ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's just doing the cover for 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 listeners. It's for <laughs> Jimmy has his hands over his eyes. It's a little. I do. I'm expecting the wind machine to start so his hair flies back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 it's not been on my radar. No, whatsoever. I think I knew Cheyenne was in it. Yeah. I think I knew... I must have known Carrie Butler was in it. Sure. I must have. Yeah. Because this is early Carrie. Yeah. Because I knew she did Hairspray, which means I must have known she did this. I had no idea Jackie Hoffman and Mary Testo were in it. I had no idea that Jackie Hoffman and Mary Testo were in it at all. And they are... What a lovely surprise. My favorite part of the show. Okay, yeah, let's just talk about them straight off the bat. So <laughs> if if you're, you know, watching along as you're listening to this show, um, you will find that the musical is very different yeah. in terms of story. I would say, very, very in, different. in short, I described it to my boyfriend. I was like, they they fixed it. They did a fix. They fixed it. Yeah. It makes, yeah, it makes more sense. Story. They made it a story. You know, um, there was there was light and shade. Yeah. No, hooray. Um, yeah, basically, so basically, um, Mary Testa and Jackie Hoffman uh, play effectively like the antagonists yes, of the piece. Yes, the, 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 the evil muses. The big changes yeah. in the musical are um, we establish up front that, what's her face, Kira is a muse, is going mm-hmm. to go to Earth, is going to try and help this art man. Yes, and he... He did paint the mural. He did that paint they came the mural. That is in the musical. Yes. And the other muses also maintain a presence throughout the thing, as honestly, yes. a Greek chorus. Um, Very much so. You know. Is it small casting? Is it a Greek chorus? Does it matter? Does it we matter? We don't care. <laughs> uh, but two of the muses, um, I don't know. Isn't one of them Calliope? I want you to say all of their names Calliope. Calliope is the correct pronunciation. Well done. Have you practiced? No. That one I know. Okay. Um, the other one is is Mel Begins something. Mel. Melpo. Mel Mel Melpony. Melpony. Melpomini. Mel 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 Melpomini. Melanoma. Yes, melanoma. It could be melanoma. Yeah, it's a Greek word. The other ones don't matter. Can you remember any of the other ones? Well, what's notable for the Greek fans amongst us. Jimmy, of course, being a huge one. Um, in the film, she's Terpsichore, uh-huh. 
who is the muse of dance, makes perfect sense. Yes. In this, she's Clio. Oh. And Terpsichore is just a different one. I'm like, why are you doing that? What's that change about? Why are you doing that? Nobody knows. Weird change. Weird intent. Remember we've talked about these before, like these weird intentional changes yeah. that they make. And you're like, why Why this why? one? I want to know the story. Um, yeah. But so they made the plot have a more linear progression. Um, the two sisters put a curse on Olivia Newton-John's <laughs> character uh, so that she will fall in love with Sonny. Um, yeah. And that's against Zeus's rules. Uh, yeah. And thus we have drama and stakes, finally. That's it. Yes, there are finally some stakes. Um, and the uh, Danny character isn't as like lovely as Gene Kelly. Yeah. He takes a bit more convincing, um, but still comes around and still eventually like has a... open the club. Yeah. yeah. Which is the theater um, this time, because they keep referencing the theater that they're in. Yeah, exactly. And it's more... Um, Cheyenne talks about it being a like hub of all art forms, yeah. including athletics. Interesting. Which isn't an art form. That's an... I'm sure athletics athletes amongst our listeners will say, that, oh, it is absolutely not from. It's not. It's sport. It's not. They get more fun to get in my school. Um, yeah, exactly. But Bastard. I think most importantly, the tone that... I love that. They get too much funding to be art. <laughs> it's, it's, ju- it's literally true. Uh, it is literally um, The biggest and most important change they made with the stage musical is that it knows mm-hmm. what it is. <laughs> There's yes. there's a line I wrote down early on. I forget who says it, but someone has some quip about the show that they're doing right now. And they say, yes. this is like children's theater for 40-year-old gay people. It, shockingly enough, it's Mary Tesla who says that. <laughs> so, Tesla, not Tesla, very different person. <laughs> um, yes, they, but like that, in, in a way, like those two are, they have lots of these like self-referential comments. But actually, admittedly, it's kind of throughout the whole cast. Because Carrie Butler has a fair few as well. Yeah, yeah fair. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole... Um, doesn't Carrie Butler has a whole thing at the end that's like... Um, uh, or when, when What's-His-Face is Zeus, and they're like, we shall adapt it into a better stage play from the inferior yeah. cinematic experience. Yeah, basically. And also, they keep... Refer- um, Referencing Clash of the Titans. Yes, because uh, uh, the the very end of the show is just Clash of the Titans. It's just Clash of the Titans. And, and at one point, they lampshade that, and Sonny's like, wait a minute, I've seen this movie. It's so... And, like, to the point where Jackie Hoffman is impersonating Ursula Andrews. Yes. Like, it's very peculiar. It's, but it works. It works. It works really well. Um, yeah. There's plenty of roller skating. They put the audience on stage. Um, Carrie Butler's in skates the whole time. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. That's about the most spectacular thing it has going for it, in fact. It is a very, you can tell it's a very it, low budget endeavor. V low budget. V, v low budget. And also, like, an interesting, like, I, I, I feel like uh, I've not thought about this enough, uh-huh. but is this the kind of, was it around this time that musicals did start to get quite stripped back um like or certainly like certain presentations because i'm thinking of like sure. next to normals just coming up yeah wedding singer was pretty stripped back yeah um spring awakening i mean I, quite stripped you know what i mean i think we're certainly riding on i think xanadu is absolutely riding on the coattails of like the jersey boys revolution um yeah and the realizing that was quite high budget though it was high budget but the set was definitely stripped back um and there, there is a sense that like you don't need to, 
It doesn't need to be full. You don't need to dazzle the audience. I think the, Disney Castle. I think the pendulum is swinging back from like the mega musical era. Era. Yeah. You don't need a chandelier. You don't need a flying tire. Like you can get away with just a couple. And certainly this has a couple tricks, but it's not. There are no big. You know, no. It's it's why there are people on the poster and not a thing on the poster. <laughs> right, exactly. Like it's not. It isn't winning awards for its set design. Right, exactly. At all. Very very simple. Um, but yeah, it, it's fine. It does the job. Um, and I'd be interested to see actually if the cancelled tour mm-hmm. did anything different with that. Yeah, I wonder because obviously a big thing about tours in recent years are, is that they are a spectacle. Right. And you bring your spectacle on the road. So I'd be interested to see if. I bet you it'd be it'd be the roller skating. They'd do more roller skating in the audience. They'd mm, you know okay. I, that would be my my gamble. Um, yeah, you know, go go uh, Starlight Express with it and go all in on Fair. roller skates. Everyone's on roller skates as much as possible. All the muses are on roller skates all the time. Yeah, I bet you, that would be my because actually that's a good point because even just in the script, there's not really much in the way of setting. Right. No, there like you've got the office in the theater place. You've got a, and then I guess just generic Venice Beach. Yeah, like. you've got the phone booth, uh, yeah. and then you've got Mount Olympus. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So maybe it doesn't really need it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I that. think they do. You know, more ramps, more more tricks. Um, that would yes. that would be what I would do. Um, because there's go full Starlight Express. Go full go full Starlight Express. Ramp up the camp. Um, right in. Um, you know, do it, do it like a Disney parks theatrical show, um, where the genie is always out there, like ribbing an audience member and making a joke about the Backstreet Boys and like whatever the pop culture reference you can make at the time. Like that's, that's what Xanadu the stage musical is. Don't get me wrong. I think it works. Um, yeah, but there's no, you know, it is certainly not a show with like deep integrity to uphold. (laughs) No, and so I think that's that's quite an interesting thing, um, because any interview you see with the creators of this musical, they basically talk about how it's shit. Not the musical, uh huh. The the source material. Yeah. Do you know? I mean, they go on a lot about like, wow, that was really bad. Yeah. Wow, this is really bad, and I find that odd. Sure. Not. I mean, obviously, it's tricky to defend a musical that is notoriously people know it for being bad it won four razzies for goodness sake right it's the it's i believe it is the reason the razzies exist the reason for the razzies exactly that isn't a good you know thing to start right but i find it interesting that they lean into this is really bad yeah we're gonna do it this way then the this is a cult classic right because that's a different angle yeah because yeah because i also feel like that's gonna be where they're gonna get a lot of their audience from yeah are the actual genuine fans of Xanadu? Yeah, but it, um, but I still think Xanadu has found this weird bit. Like we, you know, we went on end about how uh, uh, fun parts of it are to watch, still knowing it's yeah. completely terrible. You think of like the other cult classic that strikes in my mind is Rocky Horror, and the fans mm. of Rocky Horror as a cult classic don't have that tail end that say, and also it's terrible. I don't think Rocky Horror is terrible, but I see. I don't think I because the thing about Rocky Horror is it is a send up. Yeah, that's fair. Whereas Xanadu was was in earnest, intentional. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's that's fair. That's different. Yeah. Mm. I also think though. I think that that um, that's something that 
I think the musical struggles with. Mm-hmm. Not that it certainly appears to have struggled with, but in my opinion, it's something that, that jars with me a little bit is that because the film mm-hmm. is so earnest and loving and happy and yeah. delightful, um, the musical is it sometimes feels a bit like a bully. Yeah, because when it takes its like sardonic tone about like it doesn't what's his face have a line about like you have until this afternoon to put this place together that should be plenty of yeah. time for a musical comedy. Um, right, like yeah, they yeah, pull yeah, all yeah. sorts of those lines. I don't know if that one's exactly specific, the right. Thing. And and there's like you know they make a couple of like allusions to the film, but very much at the film's expense. Yeah. Um, and it's so it's it doesn't feel like it's. Oh, we all know that this film is mad. You can mad as a box. Of you frogs. can picture it's, like the 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 poor guy who showed up in his Xanadu shirt, who's like right. absolutely absolutely in love with Olivia Newton John, and this is his favorite movie, and he shows up to this thing and is really disappointed by like how much they shit talk the the movie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, because it is. It's that thing. It's like when you really like something, it's not fun when everyone shits on it all the time. Right. And you would think, oh, a safe space would be an adaptation. Right. And then the adaptation also kind of shits on it. Like, I think there's something there that I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a shame. And I think it really comes out in the cast recording. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I find quite weird is they keep a lot of the, like, stage direction choices. Yeah. That, like, or, like vo- I don't know the right word to describe it, but, like, vocal stage direction choices mm-hmm. that make sense when you're seeing it. Right. But they keep a lot of them... In, in the, the cast recorded recording. version, yeah, and it makes it not enjoyable to listen to, yeah, because these songs are just so- they're just pop. They songs. have nothing to do with the action on stage, right? So, if you were going to listen to these songs, you would listen to them as pops, as good arrangements of pop songs, right? right? Um, but when you've got, uh, for example, the 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 phone box duet one, yeah. That suddenly, yes, I think so. That's sure, right? Um, and is it that one that she ends, or maybe is it magic? I can't. There's one of them anyway. And Carrie Butler ends it like going like, or something like that, right? Do you know what? Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a bit like, what's that? Yeah. Like if you just listen to the cash ground, which we know ninety percent of musical (laughs) theater fans, that's how they find out about musicals. Um, you would be like. What's going on? This that doesn't sound good. Well, I was quite enjoying that song until then. Like, and I, I do think they are. It's interesting that you bring this up because I I had this thought during the thing. They're they're stuck in like this catch twenty two where the music has very little to do with the action that's going on. So mm-hmm. how do you make interesting vocal choices? And a lot of times they make very jokey vocal choices. Yes, that are very funny on stage. Because that's the only thing to keep it interesting. Otherwise, you're just watching a concert, and that's not where we are. Exactly. And because this is a parody of this show, yeah. they can't sing the songs in earnest. Like, the ballads can't be ballads right. without having a joke attached to it, yeah. um, be it visual or otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so, in that vein, it's like, ah. Uh, and we kind of come to a roadblock here because, like, so what's the point in having these songs? Right. And the point in having these songs is that they're good songs and they're a pull and people expect them. But it. And that's it, exactly. And they do lampshade it, but they've struck the, like, the jukebox musical conundrum, right? Totally. Now, again, interesting point. What they've done here, because they've introduced two new characters, 
these new characters need new songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've gone from ELO's back catalogue mm-hmm. um, and pulled in uh, Strange Magic and, and uh, Evil, Evil Woman. Woman. Yep. Right? But great songs. And to be honest, if if you were making this a jukebox musical for ELO, yeah. it actually it and works well enough. In, like, in, in the musical are two of the more plot-driven songs. Yeah, they're the, kind of the songs that work. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um. And these are the songs that weren't in any way written for Xanadu, yeah. like the others were. Um, so I think, like again, that's a little bit more of a jar. Yeah. Um, the uh, the one that they sing in Mount Olympus. Uh, um, have you never been mellow? Have you never been mellow? Which is just an Olivia Newton-John yep. pop song, yep. right? Just a classic Olivia Newton-John ballad. The, the comedy of it there is it's sung by Zeus. Yeah, and they and everyone and it's like they have to Haha. they have to write a whole scene just to get into the song. Like yeah, it, so and and again in that way I'm like, as a musical, mm-hmm. is is this something we should be saying? Yeah, it's all the musical, or is it something else? Yeah, and I do wonder if like and. Our art form is so small, it is difficult to justify splintering it even more. Right. Because you end up with full categories that are just one or two things, and that's not a category. Um, Precisely. But it does seem like there is, and I and I wonder if this is my brain just justifying, you know, what we would deem more high art musical theater, not to be gate, uh-huh. not to be gatekeepy, but that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Versus the the jukeboxy toe tappy kind of musicals the commercial breaks yeah like yeah um and like but there is such a spectrum there too because you get some you know everything from jersey boys to mamma mia um Mm. to this to all shook up like these are all fit in that same category for me but have such wild differences in how they go about bringing what i would consider musical theater traditions to the stage yeah yeah it's I don't, I don't know. I just think this sits in a, a different place from ever. It is on, like, if we were doing Venn diagrams, yeah. I don't know where I would put Xanadu. Yeah, I would definitely. Because it isn't, it's not a jukebox musical. I think the addition of new songs would qualify it. That plus, hold on, I'll find the line. Um, they lampshade it. It's a very funny joke. Um, Kira says near the end. Then I shall mm-hmm. take the improbably popular art forms in each moment of time. The stage adaptation of the inferior cinematic offering, the musical of the box that is juke. That's a joke. And I shall use yeah. them to remind mankind that there is something greater than wealth or fame, and that is the human experience rendered comprehensible through art. Which is a noble goal, and I think took a lot of thinking about to find a moral around this show. Uh-huh. And, I, uh-huh. and they did it. And uh-huh. the fact that they're lampshading the, you know, music of the box of Juke. I think they think but it's a jukebox musical. Exactly. But I think that's weird because it's not. Yeah. Like, the only thing that it, uh, puts it into that argument is that they include two songs from Yellow's back catalogue and an Olivia Newton-John song. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing that would then make it a jukebox musical but this is like a weird it is a weird hybrid well, and it is almost like but also because it, it's not uh-huh. i feel like we have had hybrids before sure. right of 
I can't, I can't think of any right now, Tec- but I, I'm sure there will have been. Technically, the the original Chicago has kind of a semblance of being a hybrid jukebox musical. Um, you, you lose it now in the contemporary productions because they've scrubbed mm-hmm. this all off. But every number, save for um, Class, and it's weird that that's the only one, right? is a direct intimidation impersonation of a popular vaudeville performer. Um, nearly one-to-one. Right, okay. You lose that because, you know, how many popular vaudeville performers can you name these days? Um, yeah. And it's been kind of scrubbed out of the subsequent adaptations. Um, yeah. But it's the same sort of thing, right? There's a way to justify that as a jukebox musical of its time. It is a blending of pre-existing things. Certainly, Candor and I wrote new stuff. Uh-huh. But I think that's it. Like, it's still new, co- it's still new content. Yeah. It's not... You're not just pulling from the back catalog. Because, like, I feel like another one that comes into this bubble is like Saturday Night Fever. Sure. Um, which the musical is fully just an adaptation of the movie. Yep. And the movie has a soundtrack by the Bee Gees, but it's for right. the movie. Um, and in a similar way, the songs don't really... Yeah. They're, they're not telling a story. Yeah. They create the world. But is this, um, is this endemic of adaptations of movie musicals from the late 70s, early 80s, right? Because like even, you know... Greece does it better, but only just. Um, like, it is better though. It is because hopelessly devoted to you yes. is fully a story. Is, song. is the spoiler absolutely? Um, but like, cha- summer loving is a come on. Yeah, but give Greece's credit. Then Chang 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 Changity Bop. Like, yeah, it's a great finale. It's a lovely broad here's the theme hooray we're friends what i what i'm saying is there is this brand of movie musicals of this time where the music in the show uh, need barely relate to the plot and so that's part of the style and that is the underpinning of what a jukebox musical becomes like you need just the spark of an inspiration to start singing a song and then now all of a sudden we're in the middle of super trooper and mamma mia i get yeah i guess I don't know. I just this isn't that though. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's not. It is its own. Like these songs were written for this purpose. Yeah, yeah. And that is it's all. But like you say, I think the writers think it's a jukebox musical. Right. Well, and the songs. And in some ways, it is because like the the cultness of the soundtrack mm-hmm. uh, surpassed the film that it became. Right. Almost like its own standalone its thing. Own cast record, like uh, right. It's like uh, learning that, um, you know, what if we and who knows this absolutely could happen. But we learn in twenty years that these twenty-five Lady Gaga songs actually all have a story that weaves through them that you never knew about before, and now here's the musical version of it. Right. I love that conspiracy theory. I know, wouldn't that be great? Can we talk about that? Yeah, but it would be as if that Lady Gaga movie had existed previously, and we all had forgotten about it because it was terrible. Right, yeah. And then needed a re-reminding. But we can't even say that because the Stanley Lady songs don't mean anything I know. to each other. I know, they're They're like, ah! like the original is a jukebox musical in and of itself, in conceit at least, right? In how mismatched the music is to the action. Yeah. Um, which complicates things even more. It does. It's just, what a fascinating, what a fascinating little cornerstone in our musical theater world. Yeah. Is Xanadu. Yeah. When it is also, <laughs> we don't have the benefit of, there aren't a lot of movies that become cult classics because they're 
legitimately bad against their better intents, right? Yeah. You've got Xanadu, you've got The Room, um, you know, you have other, like, big Razzie winners, but none that have reached, like, cult classic status in that kind of way as much. Certainly none. No, I, yeah. Certainly none that are as much of a musical as the OG Xanadu was. Yeah, because the, the one that weirdly popped into head was, like, Newsies, but I guess it wasn't so much of a flop. Right. It's not like you can't put newsies in the same bank as right. the room. It wasn't so bad that it's known yeah. for how bad it is. Yeah. Um hold on, let me pull up worst picture Razzies. Um other nominations, popular nominations, early Annie, um, the pirate movie, which was the the kind of recasting of Gilbert and Sullivan. I think we talked or of yeah. um, uh Pirates of Penzance. Pirates of Penzance. Um I'm just scrolling through to see what other musicals there are. Not a lot. And I think some of these musicals yeah. are on here because they're musicals and people have bad opinions of musicals and they're judging it from a, right. a cinema lens, which is unfair. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, Evil Dead. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, you know, but it's different. Yeah. Oh, I guess Showgirls won in 95. Showgirls isn't a musical. Oh, you're right. I'm thinking of... Dreamgirls? Nope shares in it burlesque burlesque that is a musical yeah. that didn't have a stage adaptation before yeah. but anyway like yes yeah. yeah it's such delightfully it's, specific it's, conditions to create xanadu right. the musical right it's so and it is it does feel like it's something because like it's not it's not so much of a parody that it, it, you feel like you're a night of forbidden broadway right right but it's also not so much in earnest that you're watching the films after. Right. Like, there's so... It, it's a weird kind of yeah. power play it's, between the two. The, the thought I had was, like, if someone asked me before they saw the musical, like, do I, do I need to watch the film? And I think it's one of the only ones where I don't quite know my answer. I think... I, exactly. My answer would be, like, if you want to, I think it'll be a perfectly enjoyable night without having seen the film. Fully. But you'll get a little more if you have seen the film. But then you have to watch the yeah. film, which is a, an undertaking. Right. But then it's, yeah, because it's like, you, it, there's like, obviously there's lots of inside jokes and Easter eggs and things if you've if you've watched the film and are right. a fan of the film. There's plenty in there for you. But I think just to kind of grasp the like, why is this? Yeah. Like, weird, weirdly tongue-in-cheek. And why is this? Why does this feel like a parody? Right. And I don't think it is. Like, that... I think that's what I'm trying to get yeah. at, is it feels like it is one, even though it's it's not, it's just an adaptation. It does. I I wrote it down because it felt so true. It feels like children's theater. It feels like a bunch of giddy adults who know what they're doing enough, but like also enjoy yeah. messing around. They're like, what if we just did Xanadu tomorrow and then just did it? Right. Like really well, but it has that energy of... Yeah. Not Mickey and Judy, let's put on a show, but like, we're going to reenact, a, you know, last night's episode of Glee during lunch today because we're in middle yeah. school and that's how we pass the time. It's got that kind of vibe. Yeah, you're right. And it, do you know what it has a kind of vibe of? <laughs> it's pantomime. Yeah. Especially, right? especially with the audience on stage and a lot of, you know, that kind of, you know, gym office <laughs> mugging to the audience of like this thing. Yeah. Yep, sometimes moments of audience interaction. Yep. Um, like Mary Testas and um, Jackie Hoffman's characters are fully just the, their two pantomime characters. Always, you know yeah. I mean? Like 
they pull out evil, but they're not bad. Evil, but not you bad. I mean? like, you're, you're, you know, you have no sympathy for them, but you, you are right. so delighted every time they're on stage. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And um, it, like, I think a breaking down of. I had this thought that is a specific that is what makes pantomime audience participation different from other kind of audience interaction. Like, say, yeah. say this is not great comet. You could look at the stage setup and think that it might be right. Um, but there is a, not to put down Mimi Lean's incredible work. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but there is in Panto and things like it, not only is audience participation a part of it, the meta aspect of audience participation is also a part of the show. Like, yeah, not just that, individual audience participation moments happen, but that there is the danger that they always could happen is, is a specific part of the show. I, okay, I don't have the yeah, quite words yeah, yeah, to talk yeah. around what I think I'm trying to say. I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Like you, you should in the same way that like scares my dad about Cirque du Soleil. Um, right. Like there's going to be audience participation. Get ready. Expect it. You could pull a joke in this show where, like, you get so close and then don't participate with the audience, and that would be funny. Right. Um, yeah. And that's a part of it. Whereas in other genres, audience participation becomes a fourth wall break, becomes a stepping out of the story. Whereas uh-huh. in Xanadu, it is so woven in yeah, that true. it wouldn't be the same show without audience participation. Yeah, I I think you're totally right there. It's weird. It's what a weird thing it is. Yeah, yeah. And is that because the film is so weird? I mean, I also think it's a weird time. You know, we're 2007 on Broadway. We're just kind of recovering yeah. from the dark times. We're just post-Wicked. Um, you know, we're uh, Broadway's kind of getting its feet again. Um, uh-huh. which gives it more room to experiment with weird stuff while also we're seeing the new wedding singer, Jersey boys, um, you know, spat of popular adaptations and jukebox musicals. Spam a lot. Spam yeah, a lot. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. and so like all, all of those factors together give you a perfect experimentation of like, okay, we should find something popular to adapt, but also we can be confident enough that it can be a little out there. How? What do we pick? Uh-huh. Probably Xanadu. I feel you're all that matters. I'm lying on anything you say. I'll take care, and no illusions shatter. If you dare to say what you should say, then we could seem so close to my dream inside of me and so there. The winds are in motion, and I am ready to set any ocean. Suddenly, had any the answers, cause I am ready to take all my chances with you. So here's a question, right? Because now, always very fascinated with Broadway and the internet Mm -hmm, sure right is it possible for xanadu to happen and be successful now the movie or the musical the musical it's a good question as it is 
I don't think it would be as popular now. I agree. I think part of it would be we have a different set of expectations of Broadway right now. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, you know, I also don't think right now there doesn't seem to be a big wanting for even just fluffy, fluffy pieces. The fluffiest yeah. we've gotten in recent years is kind of the Hello Dolly revival. And even that still ends with like, a, you know, it only takes a moment and some romantic, uh-huh. uh, uh, like we we still get a nice fluffy resolve. Not like. Yeah. And it's still, but it's still high Broadway. Do you know what I mean? In terms of spectacle. Right. Exactly. Like, but like, I don't think even, and this is not a great comparison e- either, but like, we're not going to see a funny thing happened on the way to the forum hit the stage either. Like out and out, mm. you know, that like, farcical levels of humor um mm-hmm. uh, i don't i'm trying to think of other shows that are that don't have a hint of sentimentality in them in the way that xanadu doesn't really have a hint of sentimentality like yeah. do they fall in love at the end who cares like we you know yeah exactly um like i guess you get the kind of wedding singer-esque stuff um but even that. But even it, it does still have a bit of a you know. I mean, you still care for that love story, right? And the wedding singer. I just I think the reason I asked the question is because um, it, so there was a lot of like internet stuff that went alongside this. I don't know if you've seen any. Oh of yes, it. I have. I have memories of it and not understanding it then, and only vaguely understanding it now. Exact same. Like because I, I didn't. I never watched the full thing because I guess in that time I wasn't. I didn't believe in episodic watching on YouTube. It was just like, <laughs> this has John Gallagher Jr. in it, so I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, completely the same thing. And then coming back and then being like, wait, that was that thing. Yeah. Um, so in the run-up to Tony's, uh, they had uh, this fictional child producer yeah. <laughs> called Cubby Bernstein, um, who uh, was basically like the surefire hit to get you a Tony. Mm-hmm. Um and uh he came and started working on xanadu's tony campaign um and it was publicity for from xanadu it, like that is what it, it was, was publicity. It, it, they never... it was like it, it it was it was it was it was viral marketing when viral marketing was it's, new it's like it's like lonely girl 15 style like yeah i don't know if this is real or i don't know if it's not yeah who's who's producing this because it was produced by this child right i mean it was on his channel right it wasn't you know on the broadway.com official yeah it's it's a very clever concept i think Uh looking back on it i mean it it's wacky and wild and xanadu is the place where it deserved to happen right you know knowing seeing the even lackluster success that all internet promotion seems to have for broadway stalwart broadway audiences yeah it seems terribly misguided for 2007 um you know uh, maybe if it was better it would have sold more tickets but it's also not related to the show so you don't get the satisfaction of the thing you watch online paying off when you go Uh see the thing because it's so wildly different see that's i think it is really good like i think it sells the show really well i think it's really good i don't think I don't think anyone on YouTube was like, oh, got to bo- go buy my ticket now, you know? Like, do you think? I, well, you're making me question that. Because, because right, because think of the other things. A bit, I, again, this is one of the reasons I wanted to discuss this was because, like, at that time, yeah. right, 
early, early YouTube days, yeah. right? Before there was a, a Broadway.com right. scene yeah. on YouTube. Before there was a Broadway scene on YouTube. You know what I mean? This was pre-bootleg days. Yeah. Not pre-bootlegs, but, but pre- pre-bootlegs on YouTube. That, yeah. um, like, it, it was a really interesting... Because we had had, like, the Spring Awakening vlogs. Mm-hmm. Um, we had had... I think what else was going on? Was submissions only at that time? That was later. That was later. I mean, this is we're talking later. 12 years ago. Yeah. What in the Heights had a little bit of like yeah. again, kind of vlog style presence. Yeah, but we're we're um, so long before, you know, ham for ham, uh right. daily video vlogs of Lynn outside of exactly. the like, door. Produced produced content yeah. by a, a network, you know, Broadway.com. Like it was and it just felt very fringy. The one that I always think back on is the um, Spelling Bee video campaign. I don't remember that, that one. They did. You must remember this. It's the best. Um, so it was uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson and the girl who played Logan. Okay. Made like vlogs of their own life, oh, fully improvised. As in character. In character. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. And it, it kind of it gives me the same sort of vibe of like. Yeah. We're going to tell you about our show, but it kind of has nothing to do with the show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like other world stuff. Um, and I, I kind of love yeah. that because actually in the same way, like those improv things really fit what Spelling Bee is all about because it's a very improv heavy show yeah. and uh, it's wackadoo and stupid. Yeah. Um, and it's a good look into these characters. Yeah. I feel like for Xanadu, it kind of works because it's, this weird, like, tongue-in-cheek send-up yeah. of a thing. Do you know... That isn't fully a parody, you know, yeah. that isn't fully a parody, but it's still setting up this idea. This is the era we're in. You know what does predate Cubby Bernstein? The title of show show. Um, exactly. And that's exactly the kind of theatrical, like, uh, digital Broadway theatrical world we're in right then. Yeah. Like, we're just about to get Side by Side by Susan Black. Yeah. Well, that's just on the horizon. And I do, I wonder um, if we're going to do, like, a micro-unpacking of, uh, 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 you know, video viral marketing for musical theater online. It's a good thesis. Well, and, There's, because it's it, it, it mirrors the changes in yeah. the internet itself. But at this point, it was still, like, a wild west. We'd never have a Cubby Bernstein today, my God. Like no, not at all. Which is a shame, and it is actually because it's funny. It's good. It's good content. Yeah. Like it, it's original and, and you, entertaining, but it's not you know, clickbaity. Yeah. Uh, like oh, celebrities to the front. Yeah. Like all you know, I mean, it was just oh, a high yeah. concept. And like televised love, <laughs> love them to death. But you could take any nowadays Broadway.com like back. You know, whoever's on the show takes the camera and once a week gives you some bit of content about their show that's happening. Right. You could put all of them side by side and you'll get the like, oh, here's my dressing room. Oh, look who came today. Yeah. I sure you have always wondered how the this works on stage. Take yeah, a look at this exactly. cost. Oh, we're taking photos. Right? Like, same stuff all the time. To the point where I stopped, what, I stopped yeah, watching them. I don't care about that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I can't remember the last one I kind of really, really tuned into. Yeah. But they did. They declined from being like, oh, this is cool. I'm seeing... You know, uh, ramming Karamloo's <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, to like, oh, you guys have really been wanting to see this person again, so we're gonna do an interview with them, right? 
oh, you really we'll do some Q and A's like other oh, and it is it's just all the same kind of like okay yeah oh, yeah and it is fine for the fans who wants you know what I mean if you're really for, into for the, the thing and you're really you're TikTok really looking for like, all that content in there but there's right. ways to do that that also can be creative that yeah. aren't just like here's my tenth vlog put putting yeah. on makeup. But it's like, I just, I can't see anyone having that idea of like, we're going to do this scripted series alongside yeah. our show. Like, no one would have the time for that now. Yeah, maybe we'll get there. I, I certainly think, you know, the, the viral nature of nice. Beetlejuice has changed producers' hearts and minds. And then, you know, layer on top yeah. the ratatouzical. Um, like, mm. pe- the I think it would be easier these days to convince the imagined, you know, old-timey producer folk that like, hey... Digital content has an important place, and it's gonna get a little weird for a second. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I guess in a way, like the Beetlejuice TikToks have a similar kind of vibe because they are still very human. Yeah. they're not produced. Yeah, and they're they're homegrown and 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 that sort of thing. But that's the, I mean, that's the digital marker's poison, right? How do you make something that appears homegrown? Yeah, already you're making it, that so has a purpose, so it's planned, right? Um, it's it's impossible. Yeah, I don't know. I just think there's so much, like, there's so many good things that could come out, and I think would make me respect a show a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, I actually think these little videos really contribute to my liking of the Xanadu musical, sure. like the stage musical. Yeah. Um, because I'm like, oh, like respect, right? Like, right. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Uh, when I do wonder, yeah. I guess it becomes a. Now I'm putting my like tech director hat on. It does become. Mm-hmm. A partially philosophical question like we've discussed the truism that like the moment you think that you want to go see the show is when the show begins and right and anything that happens after that affects how you react to the show we talked about this in in comet of course when with uh mimi lynn's great backstage walk onto the stage and the whole yeah. uh lobby entrance um yeah but like that it t- that means poster design that's commercial design that's you know how easy Ticketmaster or whatever it is to use like all of these things for sure are, are a part of the story that you're experiencing with the show and i guess there are two philosophical sides to that should it then should everything come from the heart of the show should everything be intrinsically tied to whatever your thesis message of the show is right from your poster design to, you know, your lobby design, or is it okay if some of those experiences are detached from the show, like Cubby Bernstein? Um, yeah. Like, you know, some of the parody videos that Avenue Q made. Um, yeah. Right? Um, and I guess certainly it depends on the show. Um, but I've, I had never thought about it in that dichotomy before, that there's kind of a choice you have to make there, you know. In the way that marketing, you know, uh, Book of Mormon... Uh, which is a show that absolutely could have gone more the Xanadu Avenue Q route doesn't totally. Um, you know they have very strict like you'll never see uh, a, a production photo of their Africa set and that's on purpose. Nope. Um, like that's their their marketing is so strict with that show because they want to hide yeah, exactly. some of it. Um, and they totally could have gone the opposite. Like, yeah, you'd never see it with any of the Disney shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's. I think I think you're onto something when you say in the internet world would this be different, you know maybe not about Xanadu but I do think it is like we talked about this in Wicked. It's harder yeah. it's harder to keep your show secrets these days, so maybe you should just ab- yeah. abandon any desire to do so. True, 
trust that people will be able to feel the thing of surprise in the moment because you did the art well, even if they knew what was going to happen coming in. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is kind of what we've lost, isn't it? Yeah. And for mm. for all sorts of reasons, not just the internet, but that the art form is more popular and more widespread, and there's been a yeah. narrowing of what is popular. Like everyone knows the chandelier is going to fall in Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in part, like I'm sure the first time that happened, it was amazing and startling, and you know, it's not yeah. anymore. Um, you know, and like this all backfired with Spider-Man that they were trying to keep all these effects secret, but then people kept getting yeah. hurting and then people kept getting more curious about the whole <laughs> thing. Um, you know, I, I think this all, I don't know the thesis that ties all these thoughts together, but there's something there. They're all, they're all bunched <laughs> together. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, either way, fucking Xanadu, mate. Good old time. I was not expecting, I was not expecting the stage musical to be as enjoyable as it was. Yeah, I'm going to say it, though. Mm-hmm. I still prefer the film. <laughs> oh, man. Just saying. That's nuts. Oh, I just want to manifest something. Yeah. Because it, it hasn't manifested itself since the last time. Mm-hmm. So, come on. This is Kenny Ortega and um, Douglas Carter Bean. Mm-hmm. Right? We know that they can work together on stage musicals. Yeah. Hurry up with Tuong, Tuong Fu. Fu. Hurry up. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Thank you. Xanadu Live. There we go. Xanadu Live television. No. You don't think so? I don't think so. No, too small. Be cheap. It would be very cheap. No. <laughs> get some no no because (laughs) no 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 it wouldn't work the songs aren't good enough uh as as musical theater songs yeah right because those live musicals right need to have like songs yeah that's fair like the tune you can zoom in on the face and yeah they, like they're not going to be all about like magic. Yeah, that's fair. It, like the the book. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. But the full, but the full thing, thing itself, no. And that's but that's why it doesn't that's work. Why, yeah. No, you're fair. Okay, let me pitch you this: the room, the musical, on stage. Why hasn't that happened yet? I mean, like we know for a fact there is someone in like Wisconsin who's written Zoom the musical. Yeah. Uh, Zoom <laughs> <the> room. <laughs> Uh, you know what I right. mean? Like, for sure, that exists somewhere as a weird YouTube parody kind right. of thing. But also, why hasn't that? I know. Because I was running through, like, what are, you know, those those bad movies? Like, what are, you know, what are we going to song spot? What are we going to find? Yeah. But first, two, one, three, thanks <laughs> for everything, Julian Navarre. And then, <laughs> you hear that, Kenny Ortega?
Well, Tommy, they call it Xanadu. Xanadu! I do, every club I walk into from now on, especially once the bad times are over, I want to be greeted Uh by Gene Kelly on roller skates, turning around, smiling, and gesturing to the title of the club. He was so good on those roller skates. He was so good on roller skates. I'm not surprised. He's an older man. What a man. Anyway, enough about him. Enough about that. Tommy, what's next? I have a quiz question. Buckle your seatbelt. Please tell. It's going to be a bumpy night. Um, (laughs) It was a complete accident that this musical and a film with the exact same name and premise premiered during the same year. What show? (gasps) I don't know, but if you would like to get in touch with us, you absolutely can and should. Our Twitter and Instagram are both at J-I-M-A-N-D-T-O-M-I-C. That is Jim and Tomic. Um, Or you can drop us an email if you'd like to go long form on our website, jimandtomic.com. We also have merch and a Discord. If you head over to the show notes, uh, you can find the invite for the Discord and the links for the merch on our website. Um, if you're heading for the Discord link, uh, get there right now because it expires soon. But don't worry, there's ah! there's always more. There will always be more. Um, yes, and um, while you're on our website, uh, if you would like to uh, financially support the show, um, that'd be very lovely. Uh, we have a Patreon there that you can check out um, that also hosts our uh, video podcast that we call Last Call, um, where we have some good old-fashioned fun. <laughs> this time, we um, bitch about a certain unnamed YouTuber. Um, and talk about ooh. trash bags. Both very... And talk about compost. <laughs> Uh, but most of all, it really helps when you tell your friends about our show. Thank you uh, uh, for all of you who, who tell other people about our weird, wacky musical theater podcast. Yeah. It's very, very nice. And hey, thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah. <laughs>